is Owen Dragon, Smart Meteor down the outside. Owen Dragon, Smart Meteor, Smart Meteor's got up to win the cut from Owen Dragon. Holyfield is coming right away from Sir Warwick. Desert Lord is rushing home at the end, but Holyfield, Holyfield has run for Desert Lord. Centrefire's in front, trying hard. Tycho Navy flashing late, maybe the best. Centrefire may be the best on the outside. Oh, it's a photo. What a day it was there at Ipswich yesterday and seemingly there were as many mullets as there were runners on <laughs> Ipswich Cup Day and didn't they enjoy it. Thousands upon thousands made their way northwest of Brisbane yesterday and they loved every minute of it for the Cup, the Eyeliner and the Gay Waterhouse Classic. Some of them probably never saw a race and couldn't tell you anything that happened yesterday but they had a lot of fun seemingly and we'll go to Bernadette Cooper up there very shortly who had a day out with Maxi. In Sydney, it was a Chris Waller domination. He trained half the program, five of the 10 winners, and the boys next to me were out there at Rose Hill Gardens yesterday after a colossal week for the stable internationally. Uh, Brad Gray and Corey Brown. Well, what a day it was for Seawalla. What a week it's been for Seawalla. Yes, that's true, Gav. Good morning to you. Good morning to everybody at home, and hello, Corey. It's a lot happening in the past week, isn't there? As you touched on, on Ipswich, we've got Ascot, and there's a bit happening there at Rose Hill as well. Going through that package, I counted 11 mullets. There were 13, actually, <laughs> oh, Brad. Your 13. maths is off. I missed two. I went through it forensically. There were 13 I was going to say, I set the line at 10.5, so if you're taking the overs, yeah. it's an early collect for the show. But the thing about Rose Hill was it was certainly fence and run, wasn't it? So when you're doing your review, and we'll go through all the races throughout today's program, those that made ground out wide, uh, you can certainly follow them with a little bit of confidence going forward. So Chris Waller had a day out, but you look at the jockey ranks, and we had eight different jockeys mm. win across the yeah. 10 races. And that says to me yep. that we're in a really good spot as far as the it depth is. goes. Yeah, I think right of the day too was Huey Bowman. Just the way he come back, found the fence, cut the corner. On Whippolo? Yeah, yeah, I just was thought a it was a, a great ride. You know, I was actually, come on, Huey, give it a kick early out of the gate. So you just <laughs> give it nothing out of the barriers. But um, great days racing. It was good. It was terrific. We'll come to that and we'll have a look at all of the races in their entirety on a week that uh, was dominated the headlines by Royal Ascot as they say, and we've got the pronunciation they tell me correct. And if you missed it this morning, the two Aussies lined up in the Platinum Jubilee. And we'll have a look at it before we go to the boys and to Bernie. Uh, we had Nahoma Fairs who led them up and Artorias. Have a look at him last in the field in Henry Field's Newgate Colours, weaving a passage and to say he was unlucky might be an understatement. Yeah, there's a fair shout, isn't it, Corey? You can see him there yeah. just getting through the middle of the pack and he just gets his momentum balked at a really important time and we've seen enough of Autorius to know that he's a momentum horse, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. He takes winding up, yep. uh, that may have cost him here, but I don't know what happened with home affairs, maybe we'll have to look at the stewards report and hopefully all is well because it was pretty much too bad to be true. Yeah, a few unlucky runners. I, that straight, like competing in the straight, it's it's crazy how many horses go down there and you know with all that room how unlucky they can yeah, be that's right they all bunch in yeah. together don't they yeah and this was of course nature strip and he had to contend with a rideless horse but he was completely colossal 
Yeah, well, he takes bad luck out of the equation. When yeah. you're riding nature strip, you don't need to worry about any runners behind you because he's just, he's a juggernaut, isn't he? You get him into his rhythm, and this is what he can do. Uh, he just gave them an absolute toweling up. I'm sure you've seen the vision plenty of times before, but it gets better every time you watch I, it. He's toying with it. I them. reckon that's probably nature strip's best ever run, best yeah. ever win. You know, like just the what way that he pinned his ears back from the hundred through to the line. Um, I don't know whether it was the riderless horse, you know, like really urging him on, but yeah, I honestly reckon that was his best win ever. Which is amazing to say, given what, he's a rising eight-year-old? Yeah. Correct. Nine group ones, 18 million, and he's won an Everest as well. Yep. And he's locked in uh, for the Chris Wallace slot this year. Yep. Yeah. And he's if a four-year-old favourite. again. Yep. Well, if he runs like that, they won't beat him. Yep. And there was plenty of talk over there in the UK, particularly from those connected with Noble Truth after winning the Jersey Stakes, that he might be coming out here for a, uh, a Golden Eagle. He's just been gelding, a gelder, and this might be the making of him. Yeah, well, it's a big call when they geld them, don't they? Because they're all so well-bred, these horses. But if he comes out for an eagle, it just adds another layer of intrigue because he's, he's all quality. Obviously, he fits the bill. Um, and, yeah, curious to see how he would measure up. Isn't it funny now, all these big money races here in Australia, you know, there's, there's an attraction from all over the world. America, you know, UK, they're coming for our money, I think. Yeah, well, when, <laughs> when you see what they're racing for over there, yeah. compared to a Golden Eagle, it makes their eyes water. So exactly. they come out. And just going back to the, um, the Platinum Jubilee, the Godolphin finished 1-2 with Naval Crown and Creative Force. They might well be their slot holders now for the Everest. Pulele would probably be their top seat out here, would you think? Yeah, potentially. Well, they were talking about Andermatt, weren't they? But he hasn't exactly gone on with it, his last couple. So Pulele probably has to, to be the, the top seat at the moment, unless something jumps out of the ground. OK, we'll get to Sydney shortly, but let's go up to Queensland. Bernadette Cooper, well, the DJs were in fine form, the mullets were out, and they were ready for a party yesterday at Ipswich. Yeah, good morning, guys. Nice to be joining you. They certainly were. We saw more beards, boobs and mullets than we, in one, on one day than we see in a whole year throughout the racing here in Queensland. And it is just such a fantastic day there. I'm not sure of the numbers, um, but it would have been somewhere between 15 and 20,000. Probably 12,000 of them are there for the infield party, which is great. Not much happens out at Ipswich, so it's a big, big occasion for them. One of our cameramen, Pickles, was DJ Pickles there when the day kicked off, which was great. Um, and then on the racing side, you've got, uh, or on the fence side, obviously, we've got all the racing people. And the music was a little bit different <laughs> where they were. It was a huge day for Chris Muntz, um, huge day for Annabelle Nisha and Brody Loy, Sam Collett had a double. Um, but the whole day, as great as it was, it wasn't without a little bit of controversy and that would be to do with the track. We opened up the day on a soft five, um, sort of hinted that we would get to a four. The jockeys went out for the first, they all said it was a seven. We went eight races, they downgraded it from a five to a six for the last race. So we had Will Friedman sort of walking around, pacing up and down all day. Um, dependent on the track. They had the favourite one, Diva, in the Gay Waterhouse in the last race, and she came out, um, I think, after race eight. So no rain throughout the day. Eight races down, we get a downgrade. So there's obviously an issue with the grading of this track out there. Yeah, Bernie, I suppose visually it looked far worse than a soft five. Stewards, though, argued that times indicated that they got it spot on. Yeah, I know. I'm not sure that they... 
they did indicate that, but that's probably a, an opinion. Um, but, you know, when you've got good senior jockeys that know this track inside out, declaring that it's definitely worse than a five, and that was right throughout the day as well. Um, I think, you know, and we've had this issue at Ipswich, not just yesterday, but over the last sort of three months. We've started racing meetings out there on on a five before and ended up on a seven or an eight with no rain. So there's clearly a bit of an issue. Um, it, was it was an advantage, obviously, to be off the fence, although the last winner was fairly close to the fence. Uh, but generally, the fast lane was down the middle of the track yesterday. Well, Bernie, as you touched on, it was a day that Chris Muntz won't forget in a hurry. No, he certainly won't. He won two of the features, North Meteor winning the cup, um, North, I keep calling North Meteor, Smart Meteor, uh, winning winning the cup. So he was probably in the right spot uh, in the straight. And he's always been a horse that has promised a lot. That was his sixth win yesterday. He'd had 19 minor placings. He'd had numerous preparations where he just continued to place without winning. But his last two preps have been absolutely fantastic. Our intrigue to his inside there. Street Dancer, one of the on-speeders hanging on for third. Um, I think Chicana probably a great run, the grey um, towards the outside or just inside the, two, the first and second place getter there going forward. A lot of these horses will look to go to the Caloundra Cup uh, in two weeks and a big spacious track is probably going to suit a horse like Chicana there as well. But um, what can we say? It's, it's, it's got a great syndicate of owners behind this horse and they've had just had so much fun with him. That's his biggest win to date and I'm sure there's plenty more in store for him. Let's hear from the jockeys. Obviously, Smart Meteor was ridden by young Brock Ryan, so it was a big thrill for him to team up with um, such an astute trainer as Chris Munns. So, uh, so much goes into a horse like this. I, I really targeted this race. I said to the owners, you know, like, be patient. I, I just want to make sure I get him in with a lightweight, and, and you know, I was so pleased when it was wet this morning, and everything sort of wet to plan. I said to Brock, very strict instructions. I, you know, I didn't want him sort of getting caught wide on the corner here. As, as you know, Bernie, it's a tight little track. So he rode him fantastic, rode him great, and the horse delivered. He certainly did deliver. I mean, he's he's been a, a total, con, totally consistent horse throughout his career. Although sometimes during some preps, he's found it hard to win. But the last two preps, he's been very good. I think the key to him is he's not a big horse, as you, you know, and he, he's. Uh, He's not good at carrying weight, so that's why I really wanted to get him in with the lightweight here today and, um, as I said, the wet track. But he's just, you know what, if I had a stable full of horses like this guy, I'd be very happy because he puts in every time he goes to the races. Had a little bit of a sticky gate to contend with, but um, Chris gave me a good heads up on how to ride this ra uh, race track and uh, just worked out exactly how he said. Yeah, it can be tricky for some. Yeah, well, first time here and, um, you know, first ride here, so it was good to get some pointers and uh, lucky it worked out. Take us through the race. Yeah, we just had that bit of sticky gator, so I didn't want to just drag him out the back straight away, so I sort of jockeyed early and found the back of Birdebeck, which was nice, and then it popped over the fence, and um, I just had a lovely cart into the race. The second horse just took me everywhere and um, got him out in the middle of that track and let down. That's been the key today, the track, uh, the jockeys of the opinion, the track is softer than what it's actually rated, and that suited this horse. Yeah, that's right. Um, a couple of my horses drawn bad today, but I'm sort of happy about that now, and track still you know it's got a bit of juice in it and starting to chop out a bit on that corner so it's probably I would say closer to a, on a soft side of six.
Yeah, Brock Ryan and Chris Munts combining to win the cup and they gave a cheer at Kembla Grange uh, when Brock went over the line. Let's have a look at the eyeliner stakes, uh, Bernie. And this was some ride from a very, very sticky gate by Brodie Loy on Holyfield. Yeah, it looked difficult for him, didn't it, during the car park, but they came with a plan. The plan was just to scoot across the face of the field and, and take it up uh, in the front. Sir Warwick also held a spot um, up close, so those two finished off the race really, really nicely. Probably pressing forward, looking, a lot of these horses will probably head to the Glasshouse. So the run of Desert Lord was just superb. He's in the blue and white colours out wide. And back in those yellow colours, one of the favourites, Vinko, who was a last start Eagle Farm winner, just really never got a crack at them. I think as far as the eyeliner is concerned, and the Gay Waterhouse probably, it was all about being on speed, up front and out of trouble. So um, Brodie Loy has not long been here in Queensland. He's cre obviously come here to ride for Annabelle Neesham. You'd be pretty happy to be riding for a stable like that. Let's hear his comments post-race. At the beginning we have a bad draw, but at the end actually now the track is better, a bit in the middle. Yeah. and. Brody take the option to take the lead and after that he gave him a good breath, he was relaxed in front and he bring that home. He certainly did bring it home. Obviously as Max he alluded to, his form coming into today was very strong. Yeah, his form is very strong, he's a very consistent horse and uh, I think we can try to find another good race for him. Yeah, he's, he's been knocking on the door and just third up today, fit, and we obviously had to work a little bit hard, but from the half mile to around the 500, 450, I felt like I got a really decent, like a decent breather, and he was able to sustain that, and, and he was tough to the line, so all credit to Annabelle and the team, and yeah, it's just great. You're right, you could really see him relaxing in the middle stages. Yeah, on the way to the gates, I thought I was actually, I was going to go around a lap and a half, he, he, took, he half took off on me on the way to the gates, so... And uh, I just thought, oh, he's on today, and he jumped lovely, and like I said, he, he actually relaxed lovely in my hands. I wasn't too worried about being a little bit deep the way the track was playing, a bit chopped up on the inside, so we just cruised. Yeah, it was in such a beautiful rhythm from the half mile, and yeah, strong to the line. Not too many trainers have hit the ground running after being granted so soon a licence than Annabelle Neesham. And just on Brodie Loy, he's made an immediate impact up there in Queensland. Corey, I know you've had a lot to do with him. Yeah, he's a great rider, Brodie. He um, can get a little bit ahead of himself sometimes, <laughs> but he, he's, um, he's only been up there a couple of weeks and he's already complaining, saying the boys are not letting him, you know, letting him in or letting him out. And they're leaning on him, but I said, mate, they're threatened by you because he is a very, very good rider. And um, yeah, he'll be definitely going well up there in Brisbane. Brad, this Annabelle Neesham juggernaut just rolls on. Doesn't it what? Yeah, you're 100% right. Gabe, we were talking about it yesterday off air, saying we can't remember a, a trainer that has had such an immediate impact in terms of going out on their own. Like, of course, she spent a period of time there as the assistant uh, for Kieran Maher and, and David Eustace, and she went out on her own, and typically you take a year or two to kind of build up your team, with the help of Aquas, obviously, but... Very quickly, she's become a Group One trainer, uh, and and a well-established one. And she and, and she yeah. wins with horses like two-year-olds, older horses, imports, so Side horses, exactly. And, and now she's got the satellite stable obviously in Queensland, and that's already hit the ground running. So whatever she touches at the moment turns to gold. Bernie, the Gay Waterhouse Classic was the last on the program, and as if winning the Ipswich Cup wasn't enough, Chris Munts wasn't done yet. Yeah, it's terrific, given that he was such a prolific rider when he was a jockey for, for Gay as well. So 
Um, it was interesting because Senefire beat Sir Warwick first up in a benchmark 90 and he ran second in the eyeliner yesterday. So the form lines were really good for this mare. She came through the Group 2 Morton Cup behind Baller. She drew barrier one yesterday. Sammy Collett's just, you know, obviously had her eye in yesterday. She's riding in fantastic form. And she was happy to play, roll, roll the gauntlet rather, and, and not ask this mare to come out any further off the fence, even though she knew that the fast lane was out further. But to her credit, she knew that she'd had a few easy sectionals and um, she was going to have enough, hopefully, in the tank to finish that race off. Tycoon Evie ran an improved race and maybe the best from the Van Dyke stable was probably the best of the, the horses back in the ruck. She really charged the line. But all honours have to go with Chris Muntz and Sammy Collett. So let's hear from Sammy first. With the one gate before the track was the way it was, had a really genuine winning chance. and. Um, I know she won first up on a heavy 10, but I was sort of, I was still a little bit concerned with the way the pattern of racing was, but I mean, she was very fit. Yeah. Sam knows her well and rated her beautifully. Yeah, she was just able to kick off that corner just enough to last. Yeah, it was. And, and as I say, she, she timed her run beautifully and, and she was very fit and, and she rode her great. You've had a marvellous carnival. Look, for the horses we've got, Bernie, you know, we've really, they've raced as well as I could possibly ask. They're all, they've all been happy, healthy, fit horses and, um, be nice to get a few more like them. It would indeed. And it's not over yet. We've still got Tats Tiara Day and indeed the Sunshine Coast Cup Carnival. Yeah, well, Plyspen goes to Tats Tiara next weekend. So she's um, looking forward to getting her there. Rhapsody Rose runs as well next Saturday and Smart Me to go to Cloundra Cup. Yeah, listen, I mean, she's had a, she had a couple of runs in quick succession after that really nice win. And her runs were solid, you know, really solid. And today she'd had a little bit of a freshen up. Her work early in the week was massive. I was really happy with her. And when she drew the one marble, I was... Even happier, and Chris just said, you know what you're doing, um, use the tactical speed, and I had a lap full of horse most of the way, and I was keen to try and put them a little bit to the sword early in the straight, because I knew I'd had a sort of a comfortable enough lead, and, and she's so well, and Chris just seems flying, so I'm pleased to be part of it. Absolutely, you mentioned those easy sectionals, and it just makes the difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, I mean, it's just that extra petrol you don't have to burn, and you know, a natural front-running horse, or like forward-running horse like her, it just makes life that much easier. Sam Collett and Chris Muntz winning the Gay Waterhouse Classic uh, with Centre Fire. But the carnival is not over yet, Bernie. Another Group 1 next week, and that is the Sky Racing Tats Tiara, and then it's off to Caloundra. Yeah, that's right. That is the last Group 1 of the season, the Tats Tiara. And as you can imagine, being a mare's race, it is all important. Everybody trying to get that, that G1. A lot of the, the mares that line up in the Tats Tiara are often at the towards the end of their career and if they can get that G1 in front of their name they get to go to retire happy retirement and the breeding barn so it's really really important obviously we have that mayor's sale as well magic millions uh, in June and a lot of them go through that it'd be great to see Palaya Pan it'd be great to see Chris Muntz take out uh, the Tatsiara next weekend but we'll see what happens. Bernie, good to catch up. We will see you next week. And, of course, then off to the sunny coast. And uh, look after Maxie up there for us, Bernie. Well, Maxie was tipping up a storm yesterday. He must have tipped three quarters of the card, so he's a very happy man. He's got his eye in. It was great. You, <laughs> see you, boys. See you next week. There's Bernadette Cooper. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have a look at the ten races with the boys from Rose Hill.
was a good four with the rail out six metres for racing yesterday at Rose Hill Gardens and the first race for the two-year-olds, Ozapenko here fellas, started an odds-on favourite. He certainly did and although he was beaten, I don't think he lost too many admirers. So it was yeah. bookmaking recognition day there on Saturday, Corey, and this was the first donation I made uh, <laughs> to the guys with Ozapenko. But Kaboo, as the day wore on, we kind of became aware that it was the place to be, wasn't yeah. it? So the fact that Ozapenko Never really found the fence. Kaboo got a bit of a breather there in the middle stages and he really knuckled down late. So Ozopanka goes down here. Kaboo, pretty good. Um, and I think they're two really nice young horses going forward. Yeah, I think the two uh, first over the line have got plenty of upside. Yeah. I reckon if Joshy Park could have got to Kaboo a little bit sooner and they sort of eyeballed each other, I'm not saying it makes a difference. Um, but yeah, I, I just think um, young Regan Bayless had too soft a lead. Um, but two horses that have got a lot, of, a lot of upside, I think. They've still got good racing left in them. I didn't mind the way that Alessandra hit the line late. I imagine David Payne straight in the calendar looking maybe for a mile yep. race somewhere. Yeah, I'd love to see that horse. Um, bigger field and race right behind the speed. Mm -hmm. uh, I just reckon, yeah, he's not getting too far back out of his ground. I know it's a small field, but I'd just really like to see him right behind the speed. Gate Waterhouse and Adrian Bott, of course, in Europe. Neil Payne was yesterday there for the stable. Let's hear from him and winning rider, Regan Bayless. Gate and Adrian, I'm sure, will probably you know, plan, plan ahead with him. He's still wanting to get the head up and do a couple of things wrong, so there's still improvement there. He, he is. He's that kind of horse which is he's, he's a slow maturer, as you could see. I, I know everyone gets on here and says, oh, they're still six months off, but this horse generally is six months off. Naturally, stepping up from 1,100 to 1,400, you could see him just go a little bit keen for Regan, but Regan's got beautiful hands, so he relaxed the horse there from the 1,000 and just got him into rhythm. So, And then he, he got a nice time in front, and then, bang, he pinged off the turn. So it was a very promising win, and, like, I don't know what Jay and Adrian will do with him now. Um, we know that he's up to Saturday class now. He still doesn't know what he's doing. Although his behaviour was a lot better today, he travelled in my hands a lot nicely than what he did the other day. But as I said to you before, Brownie, the amount of improvement he took from that first up run to this to, to here today and his track work was uh, significant and he brought it to the races, which was good to see. He jumped good, but he didn't show the speed on top of the ground that I thought he was going to. No, I thought he'd hit the ground running, but I didn't mind that though, just because he was happy to come out and just tuck his head. And once he got there, he switched off lovely for me and he won accordingly. Regan Bayless, Gay and Adrian winning the first, the second. Yesterday was the highway. This week it was a class three over the 1,200 metres and it was a win for Scone. Oh, yeah, it certainly was. Cameron Crockett obviously had this galloper ready to go first up. I always had her pegged more as a 14, 15, 1,600 metre horse, uh, but she was nice and fresh and she just sprinted too well at the end here. Again, a lovely ride by Reese Jones just to duck and weave his way through the field and she was pretty powerful at the finish. Miss Kirribilli, given she's only had a handful of starts, I thought it was great. Summer Glow, I don't know what we do with her because she learned up for the second time yeah. like she was going to put them to the sword does she need maybe a set of shades no, or I think she needs bringing back to a thousand meters where she can be ridden a fraction quieter I think she's getting there too soon but if you go back through all of her replays she's better off ridden three pairs further back yeah okay and a shorter distance because she just travels way too well so I reckon by traveling like she does she just takes the the big finish that she's got away from herself Having a look at that head on, they're all off the bit and he hadn't moved on no, Summer Glow. Yeah, yeah, if you had something on Summer Glow, you're already counting your cash <laughs> there at the 400 metres, but she didn't go on with The other two to mention, I think, Reveal the Magic. Yep. Uh, it was second up after a long layoff. It looks ready to win next time. And Pure Fuego, I know that he's a backmarker and he's kind of, he's hard to catch, but 1400 metres, he looks just about ready. And, and 
rail back in the true position. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Unlike it was yesterday, but yeah, I think it'd be much better suited with the rail back in the true position. Pure Fuego, a stable mate of the winner. Don't forget Monica, trained by Cameron Crockett and the rider, winning rider, Grace Jones. Happy for the owners because last prep, we just couldn't get it right and we had to turn her out. She was going really well and then the wheels fell off. Uh, she's come back in good order, although she doesn't look the best she's ever looked, but she's performed great, so um, looks like she's got a good prep ahead. She trialled well the other day. Trialled really well, and um, Reese knows her well. I think she might have even been his first Sydney winner, or um, I think so anyway. So he's, he's had a lot of experience, and they gel well together. And she tries really hard, so it's great to see her back like that. Everything worked out perfectly for her today. Um, obviously, she was first up over probably not her best distance, but with that speed on, nice little position there. Just had to buy my time to get out, and once she got into open, open running, she really hit the line strongly. What is a pet distance? Um, probably about the 1,400, I think. Um, I know she went over highway over 15, but I reckon this prep she'll probably go over a little bit further. She's just a beautiful horse to ride, very push button. Um, and Cameron does a great job with that. So that was the highway. We went on to the midway, which was race number three on the program, and it was a case of the blinkers doing the trick for Marnix. Yeah, the first time the Shades went on for this horse, uh, he was on the seven-day backup, and the other thing in his favour here, Corey, was the dry track, yeah. wasn't it? So you look at this race, and the first three turning for home were the first three that sure. fought out the finish, and Marnix just had the drop on the leaders, and he just had too much firepower late. So those back in the field, you can be forgiving, but Marnix was, was really well set up. He was really real, well ridden as well. Um, Tyler Schilling knew exactly the horse that he had beneath him. Um, but you, even coming down past the 700, 600, he was never going to get beat. He just needed a little bit of luck getting out from behind the leaders. Um, and yeah, it was always going to be over. But Another good ride by Taylor Schiller. He's doing really well, Taylor Schiller. He's putting him in the right spots. He's got a really good clock in his head. Um, his timing's great. He's riding well. Yeah, and the, the favourite, there were excuses. Harvey's way. So he was restless in the barriers and he, and he missed the jump and he was pretty much out of action from there on in. So Marnix brought up win number four yesterday at start 19. Uh, Richard Litt was not on track yesterday. Uh, but the man who wouldn't have looked out of place at Ipswich was <laughs> Tyler Schiller. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a shock to his system. He jumped really well and put himself on pace. He travelled really beautifully early and the whole way. At the top of the straight, I was very confident that when I got a split, he'd really let down. And when I gave him a little tap with the whip, a little bit of an urge, and he really quickened away from him nicely. Like the, the, the blinkers are a big addition, but how much upside's he got? How much does the horse give you feel? With the blinkers, he feels like he could be a really top class, just uh, nine, benchmark 90 sort of horse on Saturdays. He runs really well, he lets down strongly and he travels like a nice horse. About distance-wise? I think mile, mile sort of gets him. He's perfect there and travels nice and lets down well at the end of the race. Marnix taking out the midway. Just going back, Corey, you noticed something out of race number one, I believe it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, I got told that um, Regan Bayless and a few others are going over to Europe on a bit of a holiday. and. Doing the post, uh, the, sorry, the pre-race interview, I just noticed the, the eyebrows had had a bit of a trim, so just thought we'd touch on it. So to the hairdresser when you ask him to trim up those eyebrows. Nah, stop it, you're kidding, <laughs> Well, it was a flat-out denial, but I don't know if there's been a bit oh, of manscaping and touching up going nah. on there. Well, Sammy Clippin and confirmed it for me, so I know it's... it's oh, the it's, source it's is reliable. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to get it before and after. We'll go back <laughs> to an interview from So you're saying week. it was Pete Sampras before and was Regan <laughs> Bayless after, is that what you're well, saying? Well, maybe. It may well have been. All right, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have a look at more of yesterday's program at Rose Hill.
Race four from Roseville Gardens was a benchmark 72 over the 1800 metres. This is where Chris Waller's five win haul started. Willinga Rufio, who had been impressive in winning two from two, was sent out a firm favourite. Yeah, I guess the polish come off a little bit here, but he had to add another string to his bow, didn't he? Because African Daisy went out very quick early, he was forced to take a sit and Another masterclass here from Willie Pike, just getting to the right part of the track, slipping up the fence, and its turn of foot was too good. So, a son of first seal. Uh, this was his first look at a good track, and he clearly relished it. So, Willing Garufi, I imagine he goes to the paddock now, and he'll come back a, a more furnished article. Isn't it funny? You look at, you go back through a horse's form, and normally you're looking for um, horses that haven't run on a wet track. <laughs> this horse hadn't even been on a dry track. Yeah, you know? like it's, it's really. You know, it's amazing to think that the horse hadn't been on a dry track before. Great ride by Willie. Um, I'm only going to give him credit up until the home turn. And then basically it was just handed to him. They just all <laughs> rolled off the fence and give Tough it to marker. <laughs> so um, really nice horse, deserved a win. He was owned by Coolmore. They gelded him and he was moved along and they were new clients, the Flannery family, to the Chris Wallace stable. We'll hear now from Damien Fitton representing the Premier Trainer and the winning rider, Willie Pike. We put him for the English Digital Sale uh, two weeks ago. Um, Coolmore obviously only want Colts, and uh, we had a really loyal client in the stable, Mr. Funnery, and uh, he liked the horse, so we brought him back. And look, he's uh, reaped the rewards today because he's uh, onwards and upwards. Lightly raced, but he's been very consistent. He never runs a bad race. Yeah, that's exactly right. And he's and he struck a few heavy tracks, and um, he's taken a bit of time to mature mentally and physically. And uh, back onto a good track today. He really relished that and he got a really good ride. He did. No weight on his back and he just kept working to the line well. Yeah, exactly right. Look, he's only travelled down on Wednesday night. He was in Melbourne um, and we found a nice race for him today. Uh, he got a lovely ride and um, it's a really good to see him put, put a win on the ball because I think he can uh, continue to improve to better things. I think he loved it too, obviously. He sprinted very well. They said he's normally a bit of a wind-up horse. Then when I stuck three back to paint, I was a little concerned, but always travelling like he's going to let down and when he's seen daylight he, he really did. Yeah what were your thoughts about the 600? Well following Tyler you're obviously wanting him to get out and get round and tow you into the race but then the fastest way home the fence they all left it. Yeah the, oh, I'm not sure what happened there I'm glad they did though um, yeah look I didn't have a lot of options I started trying to edge my way out uh, whoever it was on the outside was awake to it so I just had to sit there and wait for something to come my way and luckily it was an inside run. And by the time, boys, we got to this race, the pattern had been pretty well firmly established. Yeah, it certainly had. And just touching on Pikey, Corey, I know that we've been talking about him for a couple of months now, but I feel like he's going to that next level yeah. again. Yeah. Like, he was starting to find his feet probably a month or two ago in Sydney, yeah. but now he's almost established himself as that top tier in Sydney already. Without a doubt. And it, it's funny, you know, because maybe three years ago he went to Melbourne right at the start of spring mm. and he got lost. And you know he got handled by a few of the boys in Melbourne, and it was just really weird. And then I was saying next spring he should get there like a month or two earlier, so he can find his way. And that's yep. exactly what he's done in Sydney. It took him maybe a couple of months to find his way, and it's great to see him supporting the country racing. You know he's done a he's done a big circle around. You know like he's not afraid to travel. No, yeah. you know so he's obviously used to that coming from Perth. But um, but it was good to see him get into those areas. But he's really you know, found, found his spot now, like, and he, he's about to go to that next level. He, he's a group one jockey, you know, without a doubt, William Pike. Yeah, I think over the carnival we'll be talking alongside the same as J-Mac. Like. Oh, without a doubt. I, I, think the, I think a few of the boys underestimated him, to be honest. You know, like, he, he, he's not stylish, Willie, but he, he's, a, again, great positioner, um, great with his times, 
And um, yeah, again, you'll be up there in the top three or four, don't worry. Mm. All right, let's move on to race number five. Yesterday, benchmark 78 this was, and it was over the 2,000 metres. And it was Waller again, this time with Hugh Bowman with Borna King. Selling off the speed in Denise Martin's colours. Yeah, this time it was with Huey with the whistle, wasn't it? Up the fence, <laughs> yeah. uh, found the right part of the track and he was set up well here, so he, he was fifth up. Uh, so he had the, the nice little base coming back from Melbourne. Colour Sergeant was fantastic. There's a lot to work with um, for, for Matty Smith and the team, a lightly raced import going forward. What do we do with our old mate Cognac? I thought he was brave. I uh, reckon he was ran really along at a good clip. Yeah, I reckon he was really brave. I reckon they just need to bring him back in trip a little bit because he's just going mid-race, he's just going way too hard on himself. Like, but to go as hard as he did, I know it favoured front runners and up on the fence, but as hard as he went, he stuck on really, really well. Um, I'd be bringing him back in trip. Is that the best way to ride him, do you think? Just let him run, not think about things. Correct. You know, like high a, ball and I think pinch he's one of those horses, you've got a bit, little bit of headgear on. Um, the less you give him to think about, mm. the better he'll run. But I, I do think yeah, just that trip's probably that fraction too far for him. The other runner I'm going to throw into the black book there is Black Queen. Uh, I thought she was you great. You mentioned her yesterday. Yeah, yeah I thought yeah. she was really good yep. against the pattern. Yep. Um, she's come back well, and I think she's, she's ready to win. Yep. All right, let's hear from uh, Damien Fitton once again, and this time Hugh Bowman. Yeah, that's really good. Um, very happy for the owners. Uh, they've been patient all preparation. He's been a model consistency, as I said, in my pre-race. Um, and just back on a good truck today and a lovely ride, that, that was a tail into it. Um, He's a good horse, uh, he's um, very consistent and it's great to see him get some confidence for that win today. And he'd been building up with those Melbourne runs towards another victory. He had, he had. He'd just been striking very, striking very uh, heavy tracks and um, he'd still been consistent. So uh, just back on that good track today, it's uh, really shown his um, true potential and his turn of foot and it was a great victory. It was just a bit too quick for me to hold that position and in fact because I tried to without pushing him, I actually had him just over racing throughout. Probably can't tell that on the replay, but I think, you know, if he wasn't sort of given that message in the early stages and he, he relaxed better than he did, he'd he'd have quite a margin on his slot. I know we've had a couple of, you know, bad months with bad weather, but do you think he's getting back on top of the ground was much better for him? Well, he's, formed, he's been in Melbourne, his form's been very consistent down there and the dry track certainly to his liking, unlike Karlstadter Road last race, he... he he enjoyed the heavy green at Canterbury and found it a bit firm today. So all horses have their, their own likes and dislikes, but this guy certainly appreciate the, the, the good four today. Yeah, two other touch points to come out of that race is it was run six lengths faster than the day's feature, the Mikel Cup. Uh, so that race turned into a, a bit of a sit sprint, whereas Cognac really ran along out in front. And from the stewards report, King of Clubs pulled up lame. Uh, so you can be a little bit forgiving. Maybe he's one to tip out and yeah, just let him acclimatise. Yeah. Start again. Okay, let's move on to race number six, and it was a case of speed to burn, and doing it at both ends was Ruben Oki for Joe Pride. Yeah, it was just a take-no-prisoners approach, wasn't it? So Sam Clippen was back on. It was actually Sam who rode this horse first up at the midweeks, and it was a very similar approach. Just banger out of the gates, and I was surprised a few more didn't kick up in this race. So once he got there, he did manage to pinch just the slightest of breathers, but at the end of the day, it was just a matter of sustained speed, wasn't it? So I don't think you can make too many excuses for any of those. In behind, Petulant was good, never second. Uh, again, a race that was dominated by those on speed. The Big Easy found the right part of the track, but when you're doing it like this, Corey, it's hard yeah. to take it away from you, isn't it? It's a really good effort to, to sort of burn the candle at both ends, but Joey Pride stable's on fire at the moment. Mm. Um, he's going really, really well. Same with Sammy Clippert, and I think he's riding the best out of anyone in New South Wales. Um, 
he just timed that race to perfection. You know, he, he, he rolled early, he slacked him up, and then he went again at the home turn. But, yeah, he's riding super. He's in the zone, isn't yeah. he? It has been for some months now. He is, and you can even tell, like, in his post-race interviews, like, he's got everything, you know, like, he, he says everything correctly, how it is, and, yeah, he's... He's just at the top of his game. That Rose Hill 1100 metres, mm. we know that it's very hard to make ground, isn't it? A good track. It is. So as a jockey, what do you do knowing you're on a back market in a circumstance like that? Well, it's hard to take them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. You know, like you, if you ride them upside down, then you're more than likely you're not going to be on them next time. So yeah. it's sort of like you're, you're riding a fine line. Mm. You know, like you try and steal as a couple of a few lengths closer than what you, you you should be but yeah again you can't take them out of that comfort zone you just got to ride the yeah. ride the race hopefully they go way too hard because I, I always say sometimes like at the start of the day if they're winning right up on speed on the fence then jockeys start to overthink it yeah. you know like and then there's a lot more going like this and putting them into the race and then then it just does a complete circle you know like it sets up for horses coming off the back of them so um again it, it's a fine line that you ride yeah. let's hear from winning trainer Joe Pride and the winning rider Sammy Clippett Sort of got a bit pressured a bit the other day in a 12, probably be, uh, better back to 11 there today and um, great to get a Saturday win for, for her connections. She was fired across from an outside gate, she got there okay and then Sam was able to back it off just a little bit. Yeah, sort of I'm always watching the clock and I, I thought he got a chance to give her a couple of easy-ish sectionals. I mean, they're running 1100 metres so it's a bit of a scamper but you know, it was a really good win today and um, you know, there's still upside to this filly. We sort of campaigned her through the summer, she was a bit disappointing on the, in the hot weather, brought her back for a winter campaign and she's been excellent. Uh, he, he always looked to have something underneath him, didn't he? He hadn't let her go. The others behind you were coming off the bit. Yeah, he's just sort of nursing her along, wasn't he? And he's got a good association with this field. He's won a, I think he's won three on her now, and um, he's just probably the best jock in Sydney at the moment, isn't he? Or riding, maybe he's not the best jock in Sydney. He's riding with more confidence than, than, than a lot of the others, so no, happy to have him on. Nice to be getting good opportunities and, um, you know, on, on, uh, on some nice horses. So things are going well, and long may it continue. But, um, look, this... This filly did a terrific job today. She, um, on paper, was a great chance, particularly stepping back after a really good effort at the six furlongs last start, dropping back to 1,100. Um, the barrier was sticky, but she's got such great tactical speed that she offset that wide draw in a matter of 100 metres. Um, you know, she pinged out. I gave her a good kick um, in the ribs to just to get her across, but then she relaxed and actually got a, a, a lovely... Uh, found a lovely rhythm out in front, as I said, after crossing the field in 100 metres. So um, the track's, track probably the way it's playing assisted her, but she had a really good turn of foot at the end of it, and uh, she's got a great will to win, and she's going through the grades nicely. She's now won four of 11 with three minor placings. A break, back to have a look at the quaddy legs from Rose Hill. Welcome back to Thoroughbred Weekly, the feature race on Saturday, the Mikel Cup, Corey. It was a race going back to 1999 that you won on for Neville McBurney on Praise Indeed. Yeah, I'll Praise Indeed. He was a really good horse to me too. Um, I ran second and I think third in a Sydney Cup on him as well. So, yeah, he's a really good horse. He won a Brisbane Cup from memory. Yeah, he did. Um, I, th I think Jason Taylor might have rode him. Right. I think he only had about 50 kilos or something like that. But... Um, Again, he is a great trainer, Neville McBurney. Yeah. Um, How many, well, we were saying yesterday, particularly of stayers. Yeah. Couldn't he train a stayer? Yeah, he was a great trainer of stayers. Um, and a, uh, yeah, what was his good horse? Um, Lord, Lord Eyebrow or Lord something? Lord Eyebrow, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, he was, he was really good to me, Neville McBurney. He's I mean, good. He still lives up the Gold Coast these days. Still got a share in a few horses. Mad fisherman. 
Loves a fish, loves, yeah, does he? Loves fishing, yeah. yeah right. Gordon York. All right, well, that was 1999. We're <laughs> forwarding the clock of just a few years to have a look at yesterday. And this was another uh, Pike special here on Skyman, again for Walla. Yeah, wasn't it, what? So he not only rode to the pattern of the day, finding the lane, he probably ended up a pair closer than maybe he thought himself. But he also knew that this wasn't a race he didn't want to give the leader uh, too much of a head start. In the end, it didn't matter because I don't think Surf Dancer got a strong 2,000 metres. But this was a very heady ride uh, from a horse that had that nice sense of timing. The punters didn't miss him, did they? And this is actually a cup that so far eluded Chris Waller. So yeah. I can't imagine there's too many out there, but it's another one that goes yeah. on the mantle. It was a smart ride because uh, not that <laughs> Willie knew that they were going to take on Surf Dancer, but they just knew Surf Dancer wasn't going to get that well, once bitten twice shy you know like they they're never going to give surf dancer that soft easy lead they're always going to sit there and try and make rachel do a little bit more work than what she had to do last time out but uh, again this name pike just keeps popping up every you know couple of times every race day but it was a very smart ride he took up you know from the good gate took up a position closer than where he needed to be he only had to work for the first probably 200 meters of the race and then he could relax down and just ride the race and um yeah it just worked out perfect I thought Youth Spirit was a bit of an eye-catcher late too as well. When the sprint went on, uh, he just wasn't sharp enough, 2,000 yep. metres. So yep. once we see him over 24, yep. uh, he goes close. So. He was the one you wanted to be on in the run. He went for that inside run, but Rachel King was not giving an inch on surf dancer. <laughs> and she said, hang on a minute, you'll have to come round heels if you're going to beat me. That's yeah. right. We're going to have a what, uh, look at Damien. Hopefully he's invoicing Chris per the interview on Saturday there. <laughs> kept him a, a very busy boy. He did indeed. Here's Damien Fitton and Willie Pike. Ideally, we would have been a pair further back, but... Uh, when you put the top jockeys on in Australia, you, you leave it to them and um, William uh, judged that perfectly. He jumped well, put himself in the race and um, look, the rest is history. He was, he was uh, dominant. He was half sweating upon that inside run, Rachel King not giving an inch, uh, but as soon as he came around heels, he dashed through very quickly. Yeah, that's exactly right um, and it's just, uh, he's a very tractable horse and uh, he got a lovely ride and it was very patient and as I say, look, you put the top jocks on, they, they know what they're doing and um, they can overcome them circumstances and uh, it was uh, great to see um, the horse do that today and it's great to have a few of the owners from New Zealand here today that they've never seen him before so um, I'm sure they'll be celebrating. Uh, look we were always mapped to get a nice run and when I was able to hold that extra spot closer without, without really actually having to ask him to that went a long way to winning us the race. Yeah look he's go back through his form he's one of those horses if he, he doesn't draw well there's not enough speed in the race it's just there's always been a bit of a drama for him. That's right, and he's the run of the race without winning last, his last run, so with a bit better run today, and I can't take much credit from that. I, I lobbed a good alley, so he was on point, and yeah, credit to the horse. Every time I needed him, he was there. Pike and Waller, and it was Waller again in race number eight, and Wicklow, who was a big drifter first up from a spell a fortnight earlier at Rose Hill. But to be fair to him, yesterday he was second up, after nearly a year off the scene. Yeah, so obviously just needed that run. Didn't need to blow out the cobwebs first up. But Corey alluded to the fact yeah. that sometimes when there is a pattern established, yeah. that can cause the jockeys to get a little bit itchy in the early stages. <laughs> Case in point here, because they went too hard early and it just set it up for something stalking in behind. And yeah. he was dynamic, wasn't well, he, Wicklow? Huey, the question after the race, I know the rail's out and it, you know, it was like, I wouldn't say a travelator on the inside, but it was obviously favoured. But you notice Huey, like, he knew that he couldn't win if he come round from the 600, so he, he cut the corner, got up underneath him, but he's just one of those riders. He, I'd love to know how many times he's given owners heart attacks or anything like that because he's so quiet and patient on horses. You can include the punters in there as well. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't get itchy, you know, like, an, yeah. a, even with that pattern on the day, like, they did go 
a lot harder in the first half of the race. But, you know, Huey never panics. He's just got that cool, calm, collected sort of attitude. Um, yeah, that's why it was the ride of the day. The place getters, Easy Far, uh, she was good, wasn't she? she? So she was 1,200 to 1,500 metres taking on the boys. Yep. She spent a year on the sidelines herself. So, yeah, next time she shouldn't have any excuses. Yep. And Irish legend, um, he was hard in the market on his first Australian start. Yep. And he paraded like there was improvement to come. And we know Les Bridge doesn't generally screw his horses down yeah. first up. So there'd be a bit in the tank for that horse going Fraction forward. Fraction unlucky as well getting mm. through. They got into a bit of a bumping duel, the, the pair of them, yep. sort of from the 100 metre mark. So... A couple of yeah. nice runs. And well, there was a minor protest in that race, yeah. of course, yeah. third against second. And Chris Williams, who rode easy far, got time yesterday. Yeah. Not a lot of time, but yeah. uh, he did get Just a Just giving one of, the, one of the other horses a bit of a short nut. But you look 100 metres past the line, and Irish legend is actually in front. Yeah. So he was really, really steaming. All right, let's hear, once again, rewind the tape and play it again, Sam. Fitton and Bowman. Yeah, that was great. Look, um, it was a very patient ride by Hugh. Uh, he went back to the rear of the field, and he just bided his time, and... Um, Look, it was a bit sketchy at one stage, but the gaps came and he was too good. To be fair to him in relation to his first up run, he had been off the scene for nearly a year. Yeah, he had. Look, we gave him a, a nice spell after his last preparation because he's a European horse and he's been racing uh, six months above his age. So um, he, he deserved that spell. He had a great prep last time and there's bigger, bigger races in the future for him. For a lightly raced horse, he's amassing a tremendous record. Yeah, he is. Um, he is, and that's his great placement by Chris. Um, there's no rush with this fella. He's going to continue to pick up nice uh, Saturday grade races and he'll eventually get to, to black type races um, when he's ready. Um, there's no rush and look, uh, the world's his oyster. I just sort of let him be where he's happy and I, I thought the pace was pretty solid for the, certainly till the like, thousand metre mark, then they backed it off slightly but I didn't want to be out there, I just wanted to be find the fence. It was an awkward draw and you know, I, I, I'm delighted it turned out the way it did. I wasn't really expecting that before the race. I, didn't, I actually had ideas of going forward when I came out, but that was certainly put to water with the instructions. And he does like to settle, and he's best over a little bit further too. So you don't want to jeopardise the whole preparation to ride them, you know, to, to upside down for one race. But um, it, it just goes to show that there's so many variables in the game. And you know, when I got through at the top of the straight and started to come into it, I knew I was the winner, and I just gave him some clear room. And, I think he'd appreciate a little bit of giving the ground. He doesn't need it wet, but with a good four here today, it's, it's lovely being back on a firm deck, but this horse would appreciate a little bit of cushion. Phillies and Mares lined up in race number nine at Rose Hill and it was Waller again, this time with Bella Rouge, who was too good and was kept very safe in the market. Yeah, she was. So she was the only winner all day that didn't travel at some point on the fence. So she's a filly going the right way. Lady of luxury spears through the pack late. Per Inaway got the little hip and shoulder there uh, from Tommy Barry to keep Dylan Gibbons just in a pocket. And the other runner I thought that was quite good in the hidden run maybe across the entire day was Lovely Esteem. Uh, you see it go to the line here under a good hold. So, Belarus, she's a nice filly going forward, Corey. She is. It was another good ride, Tommy Berry. Like, the speed was on by that stage of the day. The boys had worked, or boys and girls had worked at the track, and it's just a good, smart ride. Um, I noticed in the post-race interview, <laughs> Tommy said, um, young Dylan Gibbons went to come out and come out around him. He says, yep. not today, son. That's yeah. <laughs> right. Get back in there. <laughs> not today. Back in you go. But, um, yeah, another good ride. And, um, deserved a win from this horse. And that brought us to the last. What about this combination? Where have they come from? Uh, Titanium Power and Rory Hutchings. 
they combined to win again. Yep, so now 11 rides Rory's had on this horse for six wins. So they certainly click, don't they? Yep. I think he's a type of horse, he's a big brute of a thing, and he just he's, needs a standover jockey. He's actually and Rory's a real, exactly that. He's a really, really big horse. Um, I didn't realise how big he was until I was standing beside him when Rory was unsaddling. He's a good jockey, Rory. Um, it's just a shame that he's got uh, big weight problems, you know, like he's, he's a heavyweight rider, but he, he, he's another one that's a great judge of speed. And they always seem to fire this time of year, winter, when uh, the bigger boys are up in Brisbane competing. But um, I really like the way Rory rides and he gave that horse a, yeah. an absolute peach yesterday. All right, let's hear from uh, Joe Pride and the winning rider, Rory Hutchings. Time. I think I gave you nine trials before I sent him off to the races the first time. Big and dumb, and just took a, lot, a long time to get to get it together. It only cost fifty thousand. He was a cheap buy, but he's been a he's been a great horse for these guys. So, what about how well Rory gets on with him? Six wins from yes. eleven rides. Yeah, he's he's his permanent jockey, and no one else seems to be able to just uh, get it right with him. So, um, love the runner the runner the runner up there too. I thought Solomon has come back really well. It was a good good effort. And he looked like he was going to improve with whatever he did today. Definitely, definitely. Now he'll improve a lot with the run, but um, that was great. Quinella in the last, happy with that. I love the sauce, he's been good to me. Um, I thought there's a little bit of speed in it today. I thought Rachel would use her draw a bit more, and um, I fired him out the barriers and he, he jumped clear. So as soon as I got there, I was very happy. He had it soft in front, and I always know he, he can put them to the sword quite early and keep going, and that's exactly what happened. How good is it when you come to the races, win one ride for one win? Yeah, you don't want to ruin the strike rate. <laughs> he was 100% yesterday, wasn't he, Rory Hutchings? All right, just before we go, um, there is a concert coming up. Robbie Dolan, where hasn't he been in the last <laughs> few weeks since he shot to pop stardom? He'll be out at the uh, Riverside Stables out there at Warwick Farm, and this is on Saturday, August 6th, the first of the concert. Saturday, August 13, August 19, August 27. Go to williaminglis.com.au. Daryl Braithwaite, Kate Sobrano, Richard Clapton, Casey Chambers. He... We'll be there with Robbie Dolan. Yeah, he... clearly, supporting Robbie. I would, I would have thought so. Yeah. Is he still riding or is he going on tour? Bit of both. <laughs> he can juggle the both, can he? Yeah, six months of each. All right, that uh, is it from us. So that starts on August 6th. Maybe the coach and Duff will be back from Positano by then. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for your company on Thoroughbred Weekly. We will see you again this time next week.